Hello and welcome to the Stables Podcast. Uh, this episode I'm joined by Coach Ian Ellis from Sussex Thunder. I appreciate everyone's at their time return to play. This episode was recorded during COVID. Um, if you had the chance to go down to the Sussex Thunder's opening training session, you may have had the chance to see or speak to Coach Ellis, but you may not know as much about him as it is. So here is a good chance to listen to your new coach uh, as you've just got the chance to back to play. And see his journey into the sport, and see that you're in a capable hands, and you're in a you're at a good organisation such as the Sussex Thunder. First question I ask all the time is, how have you been? How has everything been with COVID? How how's like mental health and everything? You've been keeping on all right? Yeah, been really good. Uh, the worst thing is I've missed missed football a lot. The yeah. the best thing is the last time I actually got on a train to go to work was. Uh, the 22nd of March, so, yeah. so I'm pretty much working from home, I have to say. Yes, of course, yes, yeah. sometimes when it's commuting jobs, it's almost worked out better and you get more okay. done, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, okay, so uh, my next question is like, so how I got through to your information through Ben Rogers, and obviously I, I don't know much, but I would just like to sort of delve into how did you get into American football and then we'll go from there, questions as they come and go. Okay, so long story. So I, yeah, uh, I, nice I, I started playing American football in 1983. Yeah, um, it it was uh, around the time that Channel Four first started showing American football on on British television. Yeah, and there was like this instant craze of everybody wanted to go and play American football, and I was lucky. Mm-hmm. I, li- I live in I live in Crawley in West Sussex, and. Mm-hmm. There was a team started called the Crawley Raiders, yeah. And I went, uh, I went to the very first practice, yeah. Uh, and uh, and the bug bit me, and I've I've not been able to leave it alone for years. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, so, what was it that bit you? What was the bug that bit you with American sport? Um, I, do you know what I think? So, looking at it on on a TV, it was kind of the razzmatazz and yeah. the whole the production. That, that whole bigger, larger than life thing that went along with with the whole sport and the way yeah. that it's shown on TV, and it just it just really captured my imagination. I I kind of did athletics when I was at school, so it kind of gave me the buzz of getting yeah. back into athletics. But there was something there was something unusual about it, and something that I really really just grabbed me. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. So um, then, what happened then? So you did you play, and then what what happened? Yeah, then? so. So I played. Uh, I, I started playing. I, I was a lot smaller than, than yeah. I uh, when I first started playing. So I started playing at cornerback. Yeah. Um. As I say, that was in 1983. Mm-hmm. And as as I progressed in the 80s, uh, and and I started to grow because I was I was pretty young when I started playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. I my body changed. I turned into a linebacker. Started playing linebacker. And then in the early 90s, I was lucky enough to go to, there were some uh, American college college coaches that were doing some yeah. uh, clinics and tours around the UK. And one of them was a, was a coach called Don Turner, who was the head coach of a school called Bethany College in, uh, in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he said, why don't, why don't we look at trying to get you a scholarship to come to the States? Wow. My school. So <laughs> wow. at that time, I thought, well, you know, if this school are interested, maybe maybe I should look at some others. So I went and did a tour of about five or six schools in sort wow. of the yeah. northeast US, mm-hmm. looked at a number of schools, and ultimately the one that came up with the best um, scholarship package. Now, it was Division yeah. Three, so it was an academic scholarship, 
not an athletic scholarship. Yes, I understand. Uh, but, Beth, but Bethany College came up with the best, the best scholarship and the best uh, work package for me to, to be on uh, at school. So it's a it's a it's a very well known liberal arts school. Um, yeah. I went to Bethany College and it was a fantastic time. It's uh, it's in the uh, foothills of the uh, the Allegheny. Uh, mountains and it's just the only thing in Bethany College so Bethany College is well known for the fact that there's the college there there yeah. is one set of traffic lights a bar and a, t and a shop and yeah. that's the only things that are in town <laughs> wow it's interesting so how was so, it so how was their sort of opinion on sport then was it very highly sport orientated or was it just all based around the arts then uh no so it was uh they were actually a soccer school, so okay. they were working yeah. for their soccer program. Uh, yeah. And when this English guy turned up, they couldn't understand why I wanted to play American football. Why did I not either want to play soccer? Or they yeah. had a, they just started a rugby team, so they of course, insisted yeah. that I should play rugby. However, I want the, I went there to play football. Yeah, I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be able to know how I fared. Yeah, playing that side of the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I loved, I loved every moment of it. Unfortunately, uh, in my second year there, I tore my shoulder apart. Oh. So, um, so that was kind of the end of my of my playing career. So I started in '83, and my my whole playing career was done by like '92. Mm -hmm. um, had the shoulder rebuilt, and then thought, if I want to stay in football, how am I going to do it? Yeah. and that was that was how my my coaching career started. Yeah. Okay, so then where did you start off? Did you start local or what? What was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so at the time in the UK, that the uh, what was the World League of American Football was around. So my my intention was to uh, try and put myself in a place so that I could either stay in the states or I could come back and work for uh, work for the World League yeah. or what used to be uh, uh, NFL Europe. Mm -hmm. um, so I applied to, uh, or I went down to see the head coach of a local high mm -hmm. school, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, would love to have you come down and work with us. You can work with the linebackers. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, they had a large coaching staff. They had this school is is uh, funded. So all of the schools in that area are funded by the or were funded by the local steel mill yeah. mills." This, this school was called Brook High School, and in the middle of nowhere, they had a 35,000-seater stadium that was built for them by the school. Of course, mill. yeah, I was going to say. On, on, a, on a Friday night, just like in Friday Night Lights, everybody came out of the steel mills, yeah. and they went into the stadium, and everybody supported the local high schools. Wow. So it was, a, it was a great opportunity. But at the same time that I did that, I was, I was sending emails to every small college mm -hmm. every college every nfl team and and ultimately uh i got uh, an opportunity from a couple of nfl teams to go to training camp mm -hmm. as a as a coaching intern and i ultimately took the opportunity to go to camp with the tampa bay mm -hmm. buccaneers and ended up staying all of 1993 wow Wow, that's incredible. So, how did that? How, what did? What was it? Just a case of just working and getting yourself in the training camp and just trying to make it so you, they couldn't take you out almost. Uh, so I, I was lucky. They they so Tampa were 
historically not very good at that point. Yeah. So um, they were very open, uh, very open armed. They said, "Come down. We'll 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 work with you a month before training camp opens, so that when the players come in, if anybody asks you a question, you can answer the questions mm -hmm. and you can you can be a part of the of conversation." The, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that's what I did, and all of the coaches were much older mm -hmm. and were very giving of their time, and it, it the whole the whole thing it just it worked perfectly. I couldn't have asked to go to a better organisation mm -hmm. because they just put themselves out to to accommodate me while I was there, and uh, I made friends with with the linebacker coach at the time, who's an older guy called Maxi Barn, who who played for the likes of the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles back in the 50s and 60s. And um, it just became sort of part of what he was doing. And uh, and ultimately, they decided to keep me around. Mm, no, it's, fun. It's, fun. it's fascinating. And it's also fantastic to hear because obviously you've got the situation of people that are going to the US now and obviously how many years later, it's still the same process. It's just the, diff the technology is what's making it a bit going a bit faster if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah. But, but but ultimately i'd hit the peak of my career at 24 and it's been downhill since then you see <laughs> yeah no so then how did it how did it work then moving on from tampa what did you do next so uh i was at, at tampa in 1993 uh and in 1994 i had an opportunity to go to training camp with the miami dolphins as yep. a camp inter um so so i did that and then uh basically i got to a point where i'd applied for lots of jobs and it's it's always difficult it's difficult to get into coaching full-time anyway whether it's uh at whatever level mm -hmm. uh obviously when you're english and you're trying to uh compete against thousands of americans also looking for co coaching jobs it became mm -hmm. very difficult so i ended up coming back coming back to the UK, yeah. uh, got back into coaching in the UK. And my intention was always to try and get back to the States. But, of course, things happen. You know, you end up getting a job, yeah, you get a girlfriend, so. you have a child, then you get a mortgage. And then so the dream gets further and further away. Yeah. Um, and and just kind of got more into coaching. So ulti ultimately, when I came back, uh, I went back to the Crawley Raiders, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I'd started playing. Um, and then in 1996, the Crawley Raiders and the Brighton B-52s decided that they would merge to become the Sussex Thunder. Well, okay. uh, and ultimately, that's how I first became involved with the Sussex yep, Thunder. I, I was one of the people that kind of drove that, that merger together. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately have been predominantly in, in British football uh, ever since okay so how does how, who puts those mergers together is it was it both teams or was it sort of someone helping like spearhead the connection together or was it just like a financial which made sense um it, it made sense from a player's perspective so okay. the brighton beef has always had a great offense and mm -hmm. always had a great defense i mean yeah. there was there was players on the other side of both of those organizations but but ultimately uh there were half a dozen of us that kind of sat around a table because we'd never been they'd kind of been our arch rivals at mm -hmm. that point so um it it was it was a difficult conversation because nobody really wanted to have it but it, but ultimately everybody could see the benefit yes, of it yes i understand uh and it and it was 
almost perfect impact straight away. So yeah. the, we were very successful the first season that we played, <clears> which was 1997. Yeah. In 1990, we made the playoffs in that year. And then in 1998, um, we made it to the uh, Premier National Championship against the Olympians. Yeah. Lost against the Olympians. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it instantly worked. It yeah. was a great part. From, from the very beginning. I understand. That's, that's very interesting, sort of, because we you get this sort of... It's very much in the South. I think you'll agree. It's very distant. The, the areas of where teams pop up, it is a fair old distance to connect. Then if, yep. you, if you have it in, in London, obviously it's quite close. And then the Midlands, it's sort of... You could figure it out with the drive. But if you look at the South, it depends how you look at it. Do you go southwest, south, and then southeast? And if you... Obviously, it's a fair old distance and travelling. Yep. Yeah. In the... 90s that wasn't wasn't so i mean there were so many teams around of in the course, 80s and right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. obviously more, more, more competition. More yeah more yeah. competition didn't really matter because you could find a game anywhere well more competition also meant that there were less quality players spread in 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 uh lots of different places so yeah. ultimately pulling them together in a merger made us made us quite strong very quickly. i understand yeah yes uh-huh. So then, what? How did I then saw that you had connection with the Farnham Knights? How was how was that? So, so I did. So I left. Uh, I left the Sussex Thunder for the first time in 1999, mm-hmm. and I went to the London Blitz for a year. Yeah, uh, as their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2000, um, some of the so the just going back slightly, the Sussex sure. Thunder uh, had been successful, but because there was lots of retirements the team was withdrawn from the league because it, it, it was short of players so in 1999 i left to go to the london blitz and lots of the players that had played for me went went to the farnham knights so in 2000 they kind of said well why don't you come come to farnham uh, with us uh, so i went to farnham as their defensive coordinator mm-hmm. under the head coach uh, steve rains who's now the head coach at the uh, Hampshire Thrashers, yeah, and uh, Steve and I ultimately spent uh, about eight years together. So he ran the offense, I ran the defense. We had quite a large coaching staff, and we were very successful. We made, made a, a couple of, uh, I think, three Premiership Championships, mm-hmm. uh, or attended three Premiership Championships. We won a national championship in two thousand and four. We were playing in Europe in the EFAF Cup against the likes of the Tyrolean Raiders. Yeah. Um, so it was a great time. My time at, at the Farnham Knights was a great time. Steve left in about uh, 2008, and I and I took over as head coach for my last two two years there. Yeah, I understand. Okay, so then did you then move back to Sussex, or what happened then when you was head coach? Uh, I did. So I left. Uh, I left uh, the Farnham Knights and intended to come back to the Sussex Thunder as the offensive coordinator, uh, sorry, as the defensive coordinator. But as I came in, the, the head coach that was here at the time uh, was just leaving. So I kind of walked instantly back into the head coaching role mm-hmm. and uh, and started started my second term uh, at the Sussex Thunder. Yeah, I understand. All right, so, so then how is what would you think has been something that's been integral in sort of you – that has happened in all of the teams you've been a part of, because it seems like you, that all of the teams you've been a part of, there's a great structure in place. Do you, is that was that something that you helped make, like fortify or reinforce, or was it something that you just kind of naturally become a part of? When I when I first started playing, so back in the early days, yeah. a team would have a, a coach, mm-hmm. and I 
you know, I'd watch this coach try and tear themselves into multiple uh, multiple places to try and coach lots of lots of groups of people. And it, and I always said to myself, if ever I get into coaching, that's not a position I want to be in. I want to be able to build an organisation that mm -hmm. is fit for purpose and and is fit for the future as well. Mm -hmm. So everywhere I've been, I've tried to build a solid coaching staff that uh, can develop the players mm -hmm. and can develop the coaches so that when I'm when I move on or when I'm not around anymore, I understand. I'd hate to be part of an organization that I left and then the organization disappeared. Yeah. So my drive is always to make sure that everybody mm -hmm. in the organization gets development and growth. Yeah, I said that I, I completely understand. So do you have a background in I do do understand I do apologize if this is a personal question. Do you have a background in engineering or anything in I do. So I'm an engineer by trade. Oh, that's, that's obviously I'm asking the question because of how you sort of your engineering in obviously how can I put it with how you can do uh, normal manual construction, you can apply the same sort of processes to sort of anything. Yeah. And I'm kind of if you can understand what I'm kind of getting at as I can kind of see it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very logical thinker yes. in the things that I do uh, and, and build things that way. Yes. So, so I think ultimately, so there's two things. So, yes, I'm an engineer by trade mm -hmm. uh, here in the UK now. Uh, when I was at college in the States, I worked, uh, my major was in uh, psychology yeah. and uh, a minor in education. Yeah. I guess ultimately the three things go together very yes. well to help me uh, be what i would like to think would be a good coach yes i do understand i can i can understand yes i do i do i can agree with you can i can just say and compliment you that i it's for sure it's definitely working because i'm wrote i'm writing notes as i'm saying so this is i'm taking a lot from this i thank you once again coach ian uh so touching on do you think that with the with the game that the psychology of the players has changed much because obviously you've seen it where it was big shoulder pads and you've seen the game as it is now but you've obviously seen the the development of the world league and seen the slow transition in the 90s in america to now how do yeah. You, yeah is that kind of yeah so yes the game has developed massively from from the early 80s so mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody has a thirst for knowledge now. Everybody wants to know more. Everybody wants to get better. Everybody mm -hmm. has got this drive to how can I be the best player I can be. Whereas in the in the eighties, uh, it was uh, it was kind of a gimmick, you know. Mm -hmm. So you got a lot of big guys that wanted to dress up uh, in in the equipment and play mm -hmm. the game. I mean, there no shadow of a doubt there were some phenomenal athletes that played played mm -hmm. football in the eighties, nineties, but but the knowledge was much smaller so as an example in the Crawley Raiders in the very early days we had three defensive plays so it was either called a b or c that yeah. was got into a huddle that's how they called the defense a b or yeah. c whereas now you know things are far more structured and uh, more developed mm -hmm. and uh, people think more about uh, how the system works how that develops how they can be a better player yeah i mean as an example, the Crawley Raiders this year, we've so we have a full time analyst who breaks down film for us. Mm -hmm. And this to, uh, this year, we've just employed a um, uh, uh, a sports scientist. Mm -hmm. So we've got a coach who who is a professional sports uh, 
uh, teaches uh, sports science mm -hmm. as a profession. Yeah. Um, and everybody wants to know how can I be the best that they can be. Everybody wants mm -hmm. to develop. I think that comes down to the fact that one, everybody can see the NFL. It's so so much more touchable. Yes. You've got, you've got the NFL Academy. You've got so many people now that have the opportunity to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately, younger people that are coming into the game now are coming into the game to think, what it, what are my pathway to be able to be good mm -hmm. enough to play college or, or yes. pro? And, and I genuinely, I think you have to coach people that way. Yes, I, I understand your perspective. It's, it's very much at the moment now, like for yourself when it was a gimmick in the 80s and then trying to go to the US could have been seen as a gimmick then yep. now it's not a gimmick now it's serious now there's money now there's finances now there's all these other people involved like even even looking at it from an engineering perspective on the Tottenham stadium like even just looking yep. at things like that it's just fascinating to see that it That's is right. coming along but it's obviously people like yourself who have seen it grow it's like it's nice to know your perspective on where because you, you've seen it you you've seen it in the UK as a big conglomerate, like it's working with all local teams and so forth, but then it's how it is now, it's slowly getting more structured. What is your actual opinion of what you think is going to sort of come out of it at the moment, if that makes sense? Um, well, do you know what? I think as a core, it's quite solid. But yeah. what worries me more is that some of the, the smaller teams um, or some of the less developed teams mm -hmm. uh kind of get left to their own devices. Now, I'm not yeah. suggesting that the bigger teams should force themselves no. on on people, but we, uh, what we've tried to do in Sussex uh, through an association uh, with um, with the likes of the Hastings Conquerors, you know, we, we want to help as many people play football as possibly can, whether that's yeah. people that play football in our organisation or people play football in a different organisation. We just want more people to play football. Yeah. Football's been very good to me. I want people to play. I want people to know what the sport can bring you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it teaches some great life lessons as well. I, I, I understand. I come across a sport that teaches life lessons like this does. Yeah. So we, you know, we try and support people to say, you know, play football, but you don't need to play it with us. You can play it with Hastings. Yeah, you can play it at university. You can, you know, just go and play it. So if yeah. I have a guy that's in our organisation and then subsequently is moving or whatever because of his job, the first thing we'll do is put him in touch with a with a player, to, uh, with a team that potentially can go and play for. And yeah. we've had other players that have come to us for that, for that same way. So there are a lot of coaches out there that think very much the same way is – how can we help people develop as an aside to how can I help my organisation develop? Yes, I understand. Yes, I, I, do, I think you've got a lot of principles that are very key. And I, I think um, that obviously with this conversation I'm having is um, being a part of Canterbury Christchurch University. It's a very small university, but it hasn't got, it's, you know, like, you get a university and you get the random student that turns up and you say random because no one, no one expects it. And you get yep. someone that comes from Canada, you get someone that comes from here, from there. And it's like, what the, you could build some, if you built something, yes. they wouldn't be as random. Agreed. It would be. And I, I, I kind of like just trying to understand the structural sort of ideas in place of doing it correctly, but in a way that 
it can be replicated not in a sense of like keeping this idea whole to myself it's like how can like other teams look at this like sort of business structure and how can they improve themselves you know like a step by not like a step by step guide but yeah. it's we we're getting we're getting slowly but surely if we've had the NFL Europe and we've had the XFL this is the second shot they've had it if they're going to go it again they've got to come correct or they're going to have to just stop putting this going to have to stop trying it not in the sense of it's not going to be done correctly but it's Agreed. you're trying to engineer something and if you're forcing it it's not going to work Agreed. and if you only engineer one thing so if I only engineer the Sussex Thunder I yeah. lose the quality of the other teams ultimately that we can play. And if you don't play quality, yes. you, you lose quality in what you're doing. Yes. So ultimately, we I want to create or we all want to create parity yes. across everything we do because yes. you end up with a much better league and much better leagues as a whole mm -hmm. if you have parity and everybody works together to develop the game. Yeah. Yes, I understand. So I, I do thank you for obviously having your time and conversation. So what do you think are some key things from uh, engineering that you think are sometimes missed in in coaching or in, I wouldn't even say even in coaching, but in, structure, in building structures as like a sports team? Do you think there's some things that are missed engineering? Like, I don't know if it's the word engineeringly in, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I think I think the danger is that you don't try to develop the whole organization. So I think you need to build the whole thing. You need to make sure that you build, I mean, engineering, everything is built on a, on a solid foundation. Yeah. If you don't build a solid foundation, it doesn't matter how big or how high you build it. Mm -hmm. it, it won't, it won't stay up because the it will come down at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. I understand. So you've got to build a solid foundation. So yeah. you want to bring people in you've and, and you're saying to them i'm going to develop you you've got to develop the whole the whole thing so you've got to build you've got to build development for them you've got to give them an opportunity to grow you've got mm -hmm. to be there to support them because everybody has a life outside of football and I understand life, life has this way of throwing you these curveballs so you have to be there to support people and if you if you buy into people people mm -hmm. will buy into you uh, mm -hmm. And I think ultimately that that's the single most important thing is that I found as a coach, you have to you have to genuinely buy into relationships with people, because if you're genuine with people about your relationship with them, they mm -hmm. work that much harder for you. And it's very platonic and it's just kind of it's just our relationship is that you're just playing football for me and you turn up on a Sunday um, and I'll coach you for two hours and then you, you leave and I don't talk to you again. You haven't really invested the time in that person to, um, to help them to develop. So, you know, we understand we talk to our players throughout the week. Um, mm -hmm. We'll be, we'll be everything that our players want us to be as much as they want us to be it. Or as little. So if you know if they don't want to have contact with us during a week, that's fine. We'll do what they need. I, I have some players that phone me almost on a daily basis. I understand it's it's but that's the same thing with obviously being in construction is you have different different departments require different needs. Absolutely. And those needs could be high volume or they could be low volume. So Absolutely. I do appreciate I do appreciate it. So I just I'm just going over just looking over some things. So, have, do you think there is sort of the opportunity for down in the south to sort of we can connect 
sort of local tournaments a bit more. So you can have more opportunities of camps. Like obviously we've got regional, like do you think we can have the possibility of having like a southwest regional team versus a south team or a southwest and so forth? I, I genuinely think we should. I think it's one of the things that we don't do particularly well. So in the States, they have, you know, uh, combines and camps all over the place almost every weekend in the off-season where mm -hmm. uh, kids can develop. And I know, you know, some organisations have tried to come over to the UK um, and, uh, and and start that. But for whatever reason, it, it, it hasn't continued. And, and teams seem to be very insular. As in, these are our players. We don't really want you to coach. Yeah. I think, I think there would be much better growth for everybody if, if mm -hmm. there were regional camps and and there was an opportunity to work. Other players get to work with other coaches, and other coaches get to work yeah, with other so coaches so. and players. Mm -hmm. there, there would be some real growth in in everybody doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. Thank you very much for your point. Um, is there? Do you think there's anything else we, we could touch on a bit more? Because I'm kind of getting to the point where I've you've answered every question I've had in such an impeccable way that I can't thank you enough. No, no, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. So, um, I'm trying to think of... Do you think we've got... There isn't a sort of logistical sort of problems you've got with sort of uh, the areas of Sussex and sort of Kent. Do you think we sometimes have like a... like? Um, well, I, th I think there is a perception that there is. Yeah, but I'm not sure that it's a real perception. So I, yeah, that's kind of what I'm. Yeah, if, that's uh, what I agree. You know, people in the states, if you if you said to somebody what would they consider to be local, they you know that potentially they'd say, I see, yeah, our yeah. is local. You know, I when I when I was at college in West Virginia, you could drive for eight hours and you wouldn't be out of the state. If you drove directly south eight hours after, you would still be in the state. Whereas yeah. here, if you ask for somebody to drive sort of two hours, they, they'd look at you like, God, you know, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, drive. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going to go. And I think we have a lot of people that play for us that, that uh, for the Sussex Thunder that drive mm. maybe two hours to practice. So a four yeah. hour round trip on a three hour, four hour practice is a long day, but, but yeah. And I think people need to, people need to expand what their perception is as of what they want out of, out of sport and life and, yeah. and maybe go a bit further to help it. You know, if it, if it is yeah. on your doorstep, sometimes people kind of go, well, it's too far. If you yeah. if you want it bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes to be the best you can. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's a very I understand your point of view because I think the local sort of idea that you're explaining it, it does make sense for America, and obviously you get it in France, Germany, and Spain, like distances between towns and so forth. So I do I do understand that it if we had the sort more how can I put it. Do you think there's a sort of you have to have a certain mentality for it before you even start playing football? Because obviously you've got the driving aspect of localness in America is a little bit different to obviously over here in the UK. Do you think there's a sort of a mindset difference that we could kind of develop a bit more? There is a mindset, and it's a it can be amusing because what what usually happens is that we're in a normal year, non in a non COVID year, we would. Uh, 
have off-season practices in, yeah. uh, say, October, November, December, and then usually come in uh, early in January. And we always get a lot of new players in, in that period. So mm -hmm. the back end of, of the previous year and the, the first few months of, of the early year. And we always have a lot, a lot of players. But ultimately what happens is that I think they have a perception of the game that they see on TV and, mm -hmm. and actually don't, don't know what it takes to uh, to play the game. Mm -hmm. uh, that I mean, that sounds silly, but when they actually start to play the game, they realise that actually it it does hurt sometimes. And yeah, I get um, it. Yeah. I understand your point. There's an awful lot to learn. Whenever you give somebody a playbook, the first thing they do is like, "How am I supposed to learn that?" And I think you know the danger is that that they see the product on TV. But yeah. but when the reality hits, it's it's um, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah, I I, I think you'll get. I, th I think you're touching on something that applies very highly in university, is that when you get obviously you see the aspect in university level, and then you're like, yeah, I join the local team, and then you have the first game, and then you have a massive drop in sort of not attentive people wanting to take part, but you that you get people like, oh, I'm not too not too sure and that's no disrespect to people that do that or make that decision it's kind of like you you go in thinking this and then you get something else and then it's like oh i didn't really want it and then it's like oh. yeah and i think that's you know there are football is a sport for for all sorts of people you know there yes. Are, yes there is an, there is always a place for someone there's always an opportunity in football for everybody but i think yeah. um sometimes people see see it as a as more of an entertainment rather than a sport. And, yeah. Okay, and yeah. then when they're told, you know, I need you to come to practice uh, three hours on a Sunday and I need you to be at practice one or two nights a week. Mm -hmm. And they realize that actually drinking on a Saturday as a student is much nicer than getting up early on a, on a Sunday to go yeah. uh, and run around in the rain for two or three hours. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've been a student. I know. I I I, I understand. I, I enjoy yeah, to yeah. part. I enjoy to party as much as anybody else. But if you're going to, if you want to make something of the sport that you've decided to play, sometimes you have to put yourself out to do that. Yeah, I understand that. I I do 100% agree with everything you're saying. It's. I think the mindset change. How would you think we change that mindset change? Do you think it's just more familiarity with the sport? I think more of the league changing, more of it becoming better structured. That the people that I think as the game develops, so you know the NFL being here, I think re has has genuinely helped the game. I think yeah, having having people being able to actually touch it rather than be just watch it on the TV, I think has done mm -hmm. uh, a massive service to the game. Yes, the fact that there are so many uh, senior teams, junior teams, universities that now participate, I think it is it is becoming the norm that American football is a sport that is available to all, uh, and I and I genuinely think that as time develops, more people will play the sport and it will become more available. I think the next big step will be. When when we can get the game into uh, into secondary schools, mm -hmm. because in in secondary school, you know, you if I if I and I'm thinking back a long time here, but if I think back to when I was at secondary school, in the winter you played uh, soccer or rugby, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. some of you played cricket or athletics. And I think yeah. I think you could play American football in either of those in either of those times of year, and it just gives you another sport. And I think there is yeah. something exciting about this game. And I think there that if you can capture someone's imagination at like 14, 15, 16, yeah. um, that they could have great opportunities yeah. available to them yeah. if they develop in the game. Yeah, I understand that. I think if we can get, if we get it, I just, I see that we can slowly get to this sort of environment where it is high school American football, but it's a little bit more, I don't think it will be as like in America where you've got every school playing every school. I think you're going to have it where it might start off as like areas. So you might have a North school team versus a South school team and then slowly work it down into then sort of uh, counties and then obviously towns. But I do see the opportunity there because it's I've seen it and I've seen it and been a part of it because obviously I was 16, 17 when I got given the opportunity to play. Yeah. So it's it's, it's definitely uh, out there. But Ian, I can't thank you enough for your time. I can't thank you enough for your knowledge. I can't thank you enough for all the effort you put into the sport. Um, I've kind of wrapped up, as I said, wrapped up all the sort of questions. But is there sort of anything that you want to promote or talk about? Obviously, the Sussex Thunder is, is your team that you're a part of. Is there anything you wish to talk on, on their behalf or anything yourself or anything going on? OK, well, just a couple of things. So sure. if, if anybody's ever got it in mind to give it a go, I would say give yeah. it a go. go. Find out where your local team is and, and give it yeah. a try because some someone will try it that, you know, probably didn't think it would be for them and they'll fall in love with it. And if and if I can make mm-hmm. one more person fall in love with the game like I have, I think it, it's a great thing. So that's the first thing is if, if you want to give it a try, get out there and try it. Um, mm-hmm. Support support your local local teams, whoever they are, because, you know, it's, uh, it's a great sport to watch as well as a great sport to play. If you happen to be in uh, in the Sussex or lower, uh, your sort of South London area. Uh, mm-hmm. We like to think that the Sussex Thunder is a, is a quality organisation. Uh, people can find mm-hmm. us on uh, most uh, social media outlets. But, uh, mm-hmm. The website is uh, www.sussexthunder.com. Um, I have contact details on there. So you know, if you'd like to be part of our organisation, uh, reach out to us. Um, we're always looking for people to to play, to assist in coaching, to assist. Yeah. We've got a, a great media team. Uh, we're, we're looking for people to work in every part of what we do as an organisation, and we want to develop that organisation. Um, and yeah. of course, this weekend is Super Bowl weekend, so if nothing else, uh, go out there and, and watch the Super Bowl and have. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, it's, there's a very, it's a very good point. Uh, I might as well ask a question then. Who are you rooting for for the Super Bowl? Well, then? as an ex-employee, I would be remiss to support anybody other than the Buccaneers. Yeah, of course. Of course. I know it's, I know it's a silly. Also, as a quick reminder, this episode was recorded pre-Super Bowl. So we managed to get a chance to speak to him. Uh, so anything you hear, some of this information has already happened. But a good part of this is that we managed to speak to Coach Ellis and hear a lot about his interaction with the team itself. 
and also to see that the winning mentality was there even at the time when he was there. It was a long and it was a long and slow process, but as we know in the UK, this is how it works. And thank you for coach, obviously being a part of that experience and then applying it to here in the UK.